0: Mira C. So I think we need to disabuse ourselves of this idea that when people are analyzing us, they're analyzing our credibility.
1: That's not the first thing they're looking at. Hello, I'm Melinda Cohen, and you're listening to Just Between Coaches. I run a business called the Coaches Console, and we're proud to have helped thousands of coaches create profitable and thriving businesses. This is a podcast where we answer burning questions that newer coaches would love to ask a more experienced coach. As a new coach and business owner, you're faced with that uneasy feeling of, oh, geez, I've got no clue what I'm doing. You look at other coaches that are doing great in their business. They all seem confident and assured. It's easy to feel that you need to be a big deal before you'll be taken seriously. But that's a trap. Most of the coaches and entrepreneurs that you admire that are successful in their business, they had very few like real bonafide successes before they became famous. So why spend any time comparing your journey to theirs? On the other hand, you know, some folks, they can artificially inflate their credibility and in the back of their minds feel like a fraud I'm going to talk to somebody today that is well known for coaching others how to show up and speak about yourself and your business in an authentic and engaging way. Today, I've invited Michael Port to the conversation. Michael is the co founder and CEO of Heroic Public Speaking and founder of Book Yourself Solid. He's a New York Times and Wall Street Journal bestselling author of several books, including Book Yourself Solid and Steal the Show. He's also the host of the podcast show, Steal the Show with Michael Port, and he was my business coach in the early days of our business. Welcome, Michael.
0: Thank you for having me.
1: Michael, I'm so excited to have you on the show. And Before we dive into our topic today, would you mind sharing a little bit of your background and how you started Heroic Public Speaking? Well, starting Heroic
0: Public Speaking was actually pretty easy because I'd been pretty far along in my entrepreneurial journey at that point. I started actually in 2003 with nothing. I mean, absolutely nothing. I had no idea what I was doing. I just want to be really clear about that. And I spent a couple of years trying to figure it out. Eventually, I published my first book in 2006 called Book Yourself Solid, and that's what I spent... The first decade focused on. I wrote a number of other books during that period of time, but most of the work I was doing was Book Yourself Solid related. And now Matthew Kimberly runs that business. He took it over a few years ago when in 2014, my wife and I, Amy Port, started Heroic Public Speaking. And I was able to to ramp that up quite quickly, in large part because I already had an audience and clients from the work I had done with Book Yourself Solid. You know, I, I listened to your introduction. And I think, you know, you hit the nail on the head. It can be really disheartening to compare yourself to people that have been doing the thing you want to do for 10 or 20 years. It's not really an appropriate comparison. It would be like a college basketball player at a Division three school comparing themselves to a professional athlete. And they're just, they're not comparable. They've just had very different experiences. So I think it's just dangerous. And I know I did it at the beginning and it always felt uh, a little demoralizing.
1: Yeah. You were just saying in your story, you started with nothing, right? I got fired from my job. I'm like, I'd never even wanted to be an entrepreneur. And here I am. I'm like, oh, I am actually going to start my own business. And so how to be perceived as credible, knowledgeable with all the new coaches that we work with at Coaches Console it's one of the top things that I hear is, I want to be credible. I want to feel credible. And it can get ugly fast in their minds. Like, What do you think is really going on? Why do they do that comparison?
0: Well, there's a couple of things to consider. I mean, I think there's a lot to unpack here. Focusing on your credibility, I think is a really big mistake. And I think that It's very common for people when they come into this industry, or maybe many industries, but especially this industry, and focus primarily on trying to build their credibility. And think about it like this. When someone comes out of medical school, they become a resident. They're a medical doctor. Well, they're already a medical doctor by the end of medical school, but then they become a resident, and they're a professional, a medical professional, and they can treat you. So they're professionals, but they don't have to inflate their credibility because their designation gives them certain credibility. Not as much credibility as an attending, not as much credibility as a chief, but the credibility that someone earns at the point of residency. In our industry, because anybody can hang up a shingle, there's no clear path that one can take. And they say, well, I'm in stage one. Okay, that's a stage one coach. Okay, now they're a stage two coach or a stage three coach. It just doesn't exist. And so what happens is I think people start comparing themselves to others to try to figure out where they fit. And it's just a really dangerous proposition because not only can it be demoralizing, as I said before, because you feel like, you know, you can't compare, but also because it's just not a strategy that is effective because it's much better to be a great coach than to market yourself as a great coach. And what I see is I see most new coaches marketing themselves as great coaches, but might not yet actually be great coaches. And most of the clients that you earn at most points in your career will in one way, shape or form be referred to you. I mean, look, at Heroic Public Speaking, 95% of the people who come through our training programs are referred by alumni of Heroic Public Speaking. So we don't need to go out into the world and try to drum up a lot of business because the work is being shared by the people who've experienced the work. And there's a tension uh, between spending time marketing and spending time producing a product or a service that cannot be denied. And I would suggest people err on the side of creating something that really is remarkable, that is a service or a product that truly is special and transformational in some way, and start to bring that out client by client by client by client, even if you've got to give it away for free, until they start talking about it so that the clients come in organically because other people are talking about the quality of your work. That's generally what I've found to be most effective. And it puts you in a position where you recognize that, oh, this isn't actually about me nobody really cares about me. They care about their problems and whether or not I can help solve those problems. And if you can demonstrate that you can help solve those problems and you actually are able to solve those problems, nobody really cares what you did before. They care what you can do for them now. And this is especially true for speakers. When somebody's watching a speaker, nobody's thinking, oh, I wonder what they did on that marketing project they worked on seven years ago. Nobody cares about what you did before. They care only about that moment you can create for them in the conference hall or the theater or the hotel ballroom or wherever you are. And the same is true for most services that you provide. So I think we need to disabuse ourselves of this idea that when people are analyzing us, they're analyzing our credibility. That's not the first thing they're looking at. And so, when you focus your marketing on credibility and look at me and look at how impressive I am, then that's what people are evaluating. And as a result, they'll discount if you're trying to market yourself as a big deal, if you're not a big deal. But if you are marketing based on the solutions you provide, the transformation that your clients or your students or whatever you call them experience. That's totally different framework for the new prospective client to review. So the first thing they're doing is reviewing the work from their perspective as it relates to the problems they have and the solutions you provide. And then they'll look at, oh, I don't know, who is this person who provides it? It's a much easier approach. And look, it's one of the reasons that I created the Book Yourself Solid System in the first place, because in 2003 and four, I was just trying to market myself as a coach. Like, I'll help you with whatever you need. (laughs) I just thought I could help people. I got a few clients here or there. So people would tell other people, you got to talk to this guy, Michael Port. What does he do? I don't really know how to describe it, but he's helpful. That was what I did for the first probably year or so. But then I realized, oh, okay, I need to solve very specific problems and I need a solution to solve those problems. So I created the intellectual property for Book Yourself Solid, which is a protocol for solving specific business problems. And then when people would be exposed to me, they go, oh, I see. You solve these problems with this particular uh, process. Oh, that process looks like it's really interesting. Oh, I love the values and the philosophy that support it. Hey, I think we're kind of aligned there. Well, let me try this process, see how it goes. Oh, it seems to be working. I'll do more of it. Now, who's this guy, Michael Port? You can also think of it a little bit like the difference between building a business and starting a coaching practice. So, I didn't realize this until probably just a couple of years ago. But I realized that for the first probably 15 years of my career, I kept building businesses that were based on my skills and talents. Because I always thought, well, in order to legitimately deserve the rewards, the financial rewards of this work, I have to be the one that is delivering it. Or it has to be based on something I can do for them. So I feel valuable, and then I'm worth exchanging for money. And I think a lot of coaches do that. So that's why I mentioned it, because I think it relates to this credibility piece. Like it has to all be about you, the coach. But an entrepreneur who builds a business does not think about them in the equation at all. They think about what problem am I solving for a particular target market? How am I going to solve that problem? How am I going to operationalize it, scale it, and deliver it? And who am I going to hire? to do that work. And then I'm going to go home and that company hopefully will keep growing or I'll go start another company. So for the most part, you know, when you're taking advantage of products and services, it's not all about the person who created it. And I think that if coaches thought a little bit less about themselves and more about building a business that was solution-oriented around specific problems that people have, they can certainly be one of the people who delivers it But especially if they want to grow, they've got to be able to design it in such a way that they don't actually have to be there. But separate from that, even if they don't care about scaling a business and they want to do it themselves for the rest of their lives, it's still much more effective from a marketing perspective uh, and from a morale perspective to focus on marketing product or service that you sell for a specific group of people who have certain problems.
1: Well, let me ask you this. For somebody, a lot of the coaches that we work with... Newer coaches that we encounter. You've been talking about how you created that methodology, that framework, the solution that when they followed that process or that experience, they resolve their problems. And a lot of coaches, they don't have that framework. They don't have that somebody will hire them as the coach to coach them on a certain topic or subject or area to help resolve challenges and accomplish goals. When somebody doesn't have a framework that is a tangible thing, because I heard this a lot When I was in my coach training programs way back in the day, they're like, it's harder to promote the intangible service of coaching. We need something tangible, like a process or a program or a course or something like that. But if somebody's just offering coaching and it's more that intangible thing, how do they shift from trying to prove their credibility and talk about the solution to the problems?
0: So, yeah, I think you're on to something. I mean, it's what I experienced at the beginning. And I think if you are interested in intellectual property development, then this is a really exciting opportunity for you. If you're not interested in intellectual property development, you have a couple options. You can certainly license somebody else's intellectual property. There's a lot of organizations out there that do it. We've certified Book Yourself Solid Coaches for a decade. We don't do it at Heroic Public Speaking at present. We get requests uh, regularly every week to offer certifications so other people can teach it. But there's a lot of really great organizations that create intellectual property and give you the opportunity to license it. So then you do have a specific solution that you can sell. And I, I think in the early stages of your development as a coach, it is a really great idea to consider that because it's a great way to launch your career you might spend the first couple of years leveraging the brand name of that particular intellectual property so that you build up a reputation, you build up confidence, you build up a network and contacts. And then you might decide you know, after that to go out and either develop your own intellectual property or just go to more standard coaching without using the other organization's intellectual property. So that is a nice way, I think, to get going. But if you do want to do coaching that doesn't use processes or methodology for change, I think it's harder. This is of course anecdotal, you know, this is my opinion. I don't think there's one way to do this and everybody is going to carve their own path and no two paths are going to be exactly the same. What I've seen however over the years is the folks who do the more traditional coaching just through conversations sometimes have a slower time of a harder time building a practice unless they're incredibly social and are always out there networking and have a certain ability to get people to say yes, even when they don't know exactly what they're saying yes to, that you can do it. Uh, and Then, of course, when you deliver the work, if it's great, then they'll be satisfied and they'll talk about it. Most people who are trying to affect change have some sort of process. and If I'm being really honest about it, when I think about the idea of coaching just being a conversation without any protocol or process from someone who is not trained in how to create change. Because if you want to create lasting change for somebody, it takes a little bit more than just having a quick conversation. I guess it goes back to what I'm saying at the beginning. If you're worried about your credibility, I'd say look more into the work you're doing rather than you know trying to amplify something in the past that people don't really care about that much. Because if you can get really good at doing the work you're doing, you should feel more confident and you just need a few clients to start the ball rolling for you. I don't think it's that hard because it's a small practice. You know, you don't need hundreds and hundreds or thousands of clients. You need a handful of clients. So I always go back to the work at the end of the day.
1: Yeah. What you said earlier, it's not about me. It's about them, their core challenges, and through the tools that I bring to the table. How can I support them to overcome those challenges, to reach the outcomes? It's about them. It's about their experience in the work. And focusing on that, I find that it cultivates the confidence. Even when you're brand new, like you can have confidence in the newness and the nervousness of being new. And you know maybe you don't have your first client or you've only had one or two clients. And even in that spot, it's something that I see so many times. One of my friends a couple of years ago got into the coaching space and she's like, oh my gosh, I'm so new. I have to go get this certification. And she rattled off about three certifications. I'm like, time out. How long is that going to take you? And she's like, oh, it'll probably be over the next two and a half years. And I'm like, well, okay. And we just had a conversation about why are you doing that? And I truly believe in training. And I think we have to really hone our skill set. I don't think we can fly by the seat of our pants or take it for granted. And when I got to the core of the conversation, she's like, well, people won't take me seriously if I don't have all these certifications. And it's something that I hear all the time.
0: Anything you do gives you an opportunity to create some sort of change, transformational experience for the betterment of the people who are part of that environment. So yeah, the, the certification thing is tricky because there's value to some of it. And uh, I wouldn't put too much stock in it in this particular industry. But I always say, look, if something makes you feel better, but it's not slowing you down or interfering with your progression, then do it. Don't say, well, I'm going to be so much better in seven months. I'll just wait. I'll wait till then. No, we say iterate. Get out there. Take what you have. Use it to the best of your ability and then keep you know moving forward. Keep growing. And all of our growth comes from iteration. Iteration, iteration. That That is it. That's it. I mean, the job of writing is rewriting. The job of speaking is not speaking, it's rehearsing. The job of creating good intellectual property is doing it again and again and again and again. I mean, I wrote three different versions of Book Yourself Solid, three editions, because I realized something needed to change in the previous edition. Either something was just not helpful and had to go, or it just wasn't necessary, so it had to go, or I missed things and I had to add them in. It's all iteration. And to understand that what we are making is never going to be perfect, mm-hmm. ever. Yeah, yeah. And whatever we have now is the best that we can do for this very moment. And if you think it's not as good as you can do this moment, then just get back at it and make it better. And then it will be as good as you thought it should be. And then you'll work it for a while. And then six months later, you are like, okay, this thing needs some work. I got to get back in there. And do it again. And if you're not doing that, then you're not moving forward. And so I think that if you keep looking at the product that you deliver in that way, such that it's not just a pleasant conversation with somebody once a week, because that's how I started with coaching, because that's how coaching was in the early 2000s. So they'd pay you for, you know like three or four sessions a month sort of the way in the therapeutic model, you'd meet for an hour or 45 minutes and they'd tell you what was going on. They'd fill you in on what happened since last time. They'd tell you what's going on now. Then you'd ask some questions. Then you'd try to provoke you know, some, some change. And then you'd do some action items for next time. And what are you going to do till we see you again? I mean, that was what we did at the beginning because that just seemed like a natural thing to do, but it's not deep
1: work. And it's very different today. And it takes all those iterations to do the best you can with what you have from where you are and be committed to, as I say, constant, never ending improvement because in service to the people that we're working with and who's hiring us. And you know, Michael, I could go on forever on this topic and all kinds of topics with you. But I just wanna I wanna summarize a few things that we've talked about today. Because in the topic of building our credibility, I love right off the bat, you're like focusing on your credibility, big mistake. That it's better to be a great coach than market yourself as a great coach and to focus on the work. And I really like how you pointed out for those of us in this industry, the vast majority of our clients are going to come to us through referrals because the work speaks for itself as we get out there. And that for us as coaches, especially the newer coaches listening in, to remember it's not about you, The people, they care about their problems and challenges and focus on that. And we have to disabuse ourselves of this idea that when people analyze us, that they're analyzing our credibility because that's not the case. They're analyzing what's the solution, what's the experience, does it resonate, and moving forward with that and focusing on those elements. And I love really how you distilled it down to kind of the core that triggers this is I need to feel valuable. And I'm worth it so I can have this money exchange. And that's really where we start spinning out of control. But it's not about providing credibility. But instead, you said it so many times, and I don't think we can say it enough, focus on the solution, focus on the problems to to those challenges that people have and demonstrate that the solutions work. And I love at the very end how you were talking about all of our growth comes from iteration. Keep doing it and putting yourself out there. Michael, do you have any parting words to add? Yeah. Try to do
0: as much with other people as you can. I think we can do a lot more together than we can alone. And one of the things that was really helpful for me over the years is I just did a lot of partnerships. I partnered with people that had either strengths that I didn't have or access that I didn't have, but I was able to bring something else to that partnership. So I created programs with other coaches, you know, when we figure out an appropriate revenue share. Based on a whole number of factors, I would like reach out to people who are well-known and say, hey, listen, can I hold your coffee cup? Meaning, if you have stuff that needs doing, I'll do it for free. Uh, I promise I'll never try to take advantage, but I really want to learn and you can get something for free out of me. You know, I'd make a little pitch and that would work sometimes. And that was pretty cool because otherwise it can be kind of lonely. And finally, I'd say this, just be careful who you get into a click with when you move into a new arena, just make sure that the people you're spending time with in the industry are people who are really doing deep work and not getting caught up in excuses, but are moving just a little faster than you are so that it helps move you along as well. So I just keep an eye on that, I'd say.
1: I love it. Thank you for listening to this episode of Just Between Coaches. And also a big thank you to Michael for this incredible conversation about how to be credible as a coach, or not actually focus on credibility at all. And you can find out more about him at HeroicPublicSpeaking.com. That's HeroicPublicSpeaking.com. Michael, thank you so much for coming to the show.
0: You're very welcome. It was my pleasure.
1: I'm Melinda Cohen, and you've been listening to Just Between Coaches. Just Between Coaches is part of the Mare CFM podcast network, which also includes such shows as Making It and Soul Savvy Business. Cynthia Lamb produced this episode, Mishi Lance assembled the episode, and Danny Eni is our executive producer. Post-production was by Post Office Sound. If you want to listen to upcoming great episodes on Just Between Coaches, please follow us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you're listening right now. And if you like the show, please leave us a starred review. It's the best way to help us get these ideas to more people.
2: And so the tailor, having gathered together the beautiful scraps, began to sew. He stitched and he sewed and he sewed and he stitched. And by the morning time, he had made himself a beautiful coat. Now, when he wore his coat into the market, everyone admired it so much that the tailor decided to wear the new coat everywhere. And that's what he did. He wore it and wore it and wore it until it was all worn out. Or was it?
0: In each episode of Once Upon a Business, Lisa shares a fairy, folk, or traditional tale and then extracts rich business lessons that are applicable for entrepreneurs, coaches, and course creators.
2: Stories always take us on a journey from one place to the next. Sometimes this journey is literal, sometimes it's metaphorical, but always we find ourselves transformed. This story, The Tailor's Coat, originating from Europe, takes us through a literal transformation of the pieces of cloth and yet somehow teaches a powerful lesson. It does speak to a common entrepreneurial journey, Many of us start out working for someone else and give them everything we've got. Perhaps the tailor finally deciding to make something for himself is similar to the entrepreneurial desire to begin to create a business for ourselves. We take the scraps, the skills that we've developed, the experience that we've gained, and we launch our own business. I think it's an incredibly important skill for an entrepreneur, for anybody running a business, to be able to know that creating something out of nothing is always possible and it's often the way forward because it's out of the scraps of what's been done before it's out of almost the missing pieces that are not quite there that we can actually bring our creativity and bring our determination and bring our vision to create something really wonderful really brand new and really beautiful and then we can walk around the town with it. You know, we can be proud, we can step out, and we can wear it until it's almost worn out, but not quite.
0: To hear more of Lisa's stories and learn the deep lessons they carry, make sure you subscribe to Once Upon a Business wherever you get your podcasts. We'll see you every other week with a brand new episode.